Okay, we are back to podcast. First Corinthians chapter number six. First Corinthians chapter six. And um, hope you've had a good day in the Lord. Good Lord's Day. Appreciate the goodness of the Lord uh, helping us this morning. And uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully uh, everything's in good shape for uh, Wednesday night Bible study. Got a lot of good studies coming up, things on my heart. Got so many things I want to deal with and, and address and teach, uh, you know, and you, you, we can <clears throat> do this from now on and the uh, rest of our lives and, and the new heavens and the new earth and, and never exhaust the scriptures. But uh, we're going to certainly do our best to teach. Um, I, I would like. I, I, I believe I have time. The Lord gives me time to at some point teach every verse, uh, but it, it no, uh, it no less than that, or, or just at the minimum, I would like to teach every book. I have taught, I have taught every book in the New Testament and most in the Old Testament. Um. Maybe Obadiah, maybe Obadiah. Uh, I have not, uh, but that, that most of the old, most of the Bible I have taught. But I, I absolutely have gotten through the New Testament, um, and uh, would would like to cover it all at some point in my journey in my ministry. And so we're in First Corinthians six. First Corinthians six. I have uh, through the years taught through this many times, and. Um, it's just good practical teaching for a church. You know, Corinth was a church. It was a local <clears throat> assembly like ours. Probably more like ours than, or all of them were more like ours than what you see in a lot of modern churches without the cathedral-like buildings and things like that. They were meeting um, in meeting houses and places that they could basically come up with to meet. Uh, they were running from the law. They were, um, you know, running from the authorities. And uh, the Jews were out to kill them. The Romans were wanting to kill them. And they were meeting where they could. And uh, that's one thing I love about our church is, is the fluidity of it. Of um, it's, it's a group of people in Ecclesia that have come together. We meet uh, where the Lord has allowed us. Um, for however long he sees fit. And that's exactly the purity of the New Testament church. I, no one can argue that. You, no, you, you can never make the argument for some type of cathedral-like building over uh, meeting in a meeting house <clears throat> when, you're, when you're addressing it from the Scriptures. And so, anyway... That's that's uh, where we're at. Corinth, Corinth, however, had a lot of problems. A lot of problems. Uh, it's kind of funny. They were they were meeting right, you know. They were meeting like they should, but had a lot of problems that we see in the modern church. A very carnal group. Carnal meaning fleshly. So uh, we come to First Corinthians six. We've looked at some of this already. It's a very <clears throat> short chapter, only twenty verses. And uh, we'll be in 1 Corinthians 6 this evening. And then 
1 Corinthians 7 next uh, Sunday night because I, it does look like we'll be able to have Bible study this, this coming Wednesday night. So it shouldn't be any podcast Wednesday night. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Dare any of you, and I've, I've addressed this, but I want to keep it all in context. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and before the saints. And so what, what's happening here is uh, they're, they're starting to sue one another. We, we don't necessarily know the uh, specifics of the matter. I don't think that that is of relevance based on the fact that it's not mentioned. It, should, it shouldn't matter is what Paul's saying. He's, he's saying you don't sue one another. And here's why. For a lot of reasons, but one, it um, it makes it it's a very it's a shame and a mockery on the church to the world, <clears throat> based on the fact that uh, number one they can't get along, Christians can't get along. Number two, um, based on the fact that they are willing to take their grievance to a world system. Now I've taught you continually. <clears throat> from the first Corinthians uh, or second Corinthians, continually I've taught you in other places that it's Satan that operates the world system. So two brothers who are born again, not of this world, are willing to go to law against one another and let an, an ungodly Satan operated world system, Decide on a matter that should be dealt with between one another first and foremost, and then uh, with the church at the very most, but never, ever in a court of law. But you know what? It's nothing for Christians, preachers, people to sue one another within the confines of the, of the church operations today, and that's solely because the church is, is completely conducted like a business from their hiring of a CEO-type pastor, from the, their business interviews, to just the full, the, all their committees and board meetings, that is, that is it's, it's a shame. It's a shame and a disgrace to God that a church operates as a business. And that's why they think it's just fine that if the business don't go like they want it, they can go suit one another. Well, Paul's addressing that. Dare any of you having a matter against another? He's daring them. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? We shall. And if the world shall be judged by you, ye are unworthy to judge the smallest matters. He's saying you, you can't even judge these small matters. How, how are you going to judge the world? How are you going to be held in a place of authority in the world at some point? And so that's that's the context. That's what he's saying. How is Jesus going to put you over a city? Um, how, how is Jesus going to put you in charge of anything during the millennium? How is he going to put you over a, a, a township? If you can't even decipher matters with one another, he says it's a shame. 
So we go to verse number. We finish. Well, we finish out. Well, we finish verse two. So let's go to verse number three. Verse number three. Verse number three. Know ye not that we shall judge angels? See that? Judge angels, not just human beings, but angels. Uh, how much more <clears throat> things that pertain to this life? If ye then have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. So Paul's saying this, this is a shame. You've heard me say it's a shame and a disgrace before God. That's what Paul's saying. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? He's saying it's, it's a shame that there's not anybody among you that could judge and, and address these matters. No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. Most would just go right along family lines. I'm convinced of that, uh, regardless of right and wrong. And so that's why Paul's rebuking them also. No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? He's saying, look, take the loss. Take the loss. It stinks. It hurts. But sometimes you take the loss. So what is this? What Paul's saying? I didn't write this. I'm not even saying it's easy to do. I'm not even saying it would be easy for me to do. But I am telling you what the the Holy Ghost of God inspired the Apostle Paul to write. He's saying, take the loss. Let your pride, your ego, your get back, get out of the way, and take the loss. That's, what it, that's exactly what that verse is saying, verse 7. Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brother. Verse number 9. Verse number 9. So now we're getting into gluttony, uh, fornication. That We've already talked about the fornication that's going on in this church. There's an adulterous matter. There is a stepson that has uh, gotten into got into a, you know a, a illicit relationship with his his stepmother and <clears throat> the issue of the Lord's Supper is coming up as the issue of the Lord's Supper is coming up um, it brings about gluttony here's what was happening Paul the, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper he taught them to partake of the unleavened bread, the fruit of the vine, and so forth. Paul institutes it in the church as Jesus has commanded. But what they were doing is they were using this occasion to get drunk. They were using this occasion to basically hold feasts of the flesh. You've got to remember, these people, they weren't like you and I. Grown up in the South, the, the Bible Belt, the buckle of the Bible Belt. They were in an idolatrous city where flesh reigned. Uh, it would be like, you know, maybe going into San Francisco or New York and getting people saved off the streets and then having to teach them. Not, I say off the streets. These were people, these were wealthy people uh, in Corinth. So, uh, people with street morals, let's put it like that. Wealthy people with street morals. And getting them saved. 
and starting a church with them. And so they've, you know, I, I, I know, and Lord, I'm not trying to make friends enemies, regardless of how you feel like it, the, the political aspect of things, which I agree with just about every policy, but somebody like the Trumps, you know, whether they lived a lifestyle that was a playboy, in essence, and they sued and they went to law, went, went to court against one another, and they, you know, they caroused and, it, you know, it was just the uh, playboy lifestyle, Hugh Hefner or, um, you know, folks like that, different politicians, the way they live, Biden's too, right? so I'm not picking on one side or the other, Lord forbid, they all live like that. So you take people like that and say you get them saved and then you start a church with these people, okay? That's in, that's in essence what's going on in Corinth, okay? People that didn't have the morals that we have, that just in common upbringing. I mean, where we're from, lost people on their way to hell have better morals, you know, speak generally speaking, than what we see in these these groups, these lifestyles. So, having said that, that's probably the best analogy that I can think of of what Corinth was. There were people with money, people with alley cat morals, got saved, and they come together and had, had a church. So Paul's dealing with this. He's dealing with this stuff. So, we've got this stepson, he's having... An affair with his stepmother. Paul's talked to talk church discipline on that. Now Paul's trying to teach the Lord's Supper. They're using it to be a dinner party where they're getting drunk and they're eating hors d'oeuvres. And it's just, it's crazy. So that's what's going on. So let's go to verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Okay. He, he, the kingdom of God. So he's trying to teach them something. And here's what he's trying to teach them. Now these people are identified as believers. These people have been, they've professed faith in Christ, been baptized. Okay? But I know a lot of people that have professed faith in Christ, been baptized, and they're not saved. I'm telling you, Judas went through every bit of that. Now, having said that, he brings about the element of repentance in salvation. Now, not the element of perfection. Okay? None of us are perfect. There'll be slips, there'll be falls, mistakes, things like that. But Paul's saying you, you have lived this lifestyle, this lavishness, this playboy lifestyle. You have operated on the basis of courts and the court system and suing one another. All of these things. Now that you you're professing faith in Christ, you can't. You're going to have to repent of that. You can't live like that. So he tells them, "Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators. Okay, we had that. We had that situation with fornication in the church. Nor idolaters." nor adulterers, nor, nor effeminate, okay? I'm telling you, I've seen preachers with an effeminate spirit. Now, I, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent. This is a very 
You know, this is a podcast, so we're not as lengthy. But I know in our day that this whole slam against masculinity and, and production of, of femininity and basically the lack of polarization between the two genders, the gender neutral mess and everything else that you, that's all of work of the devil. Because we see right here that someone effeminate that is speaking about a man who has the characteristics and, and, and I'm not talking about walking around here in a makeup and a dress. I'm talking about just just a softness and a limp-wristedness and a uh, portraying himself with the mannerisms of a woman. The Bible says, I'm, I'm not making this up. Look, well, stay with me. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That would be a man acting like a woman nor abusers of themselves with mankind, doing things to hurt yourself, putting affliction on your body, abusing yourself with mankind. You see, the, this is the Bible. Nor thieves, someone stealing, nor covetous, someone wanting and lusting after what someone else has. And that's not necessarily a mate. That could be money. That could be houses. That could be the jealousy, nor covetous, nor drunkards, we know that, the excess of, of wine, strong drink, you've lost faculty, you've lost control, nor revilers, to, to revile would be to hate, nor extortioners, stealing money under the table, shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of them. But look in verse 11. Paul's giving them a hope. He's giving them a chance. These are people that are doing these things currently, even after their profession of faith. So that's why you've got to give people grace. But based on that, he is saying, verse 11, and such were, past tense, some of you. Now stay with me. Colon, that's what you were. But you don't have to be like that no more. Look in verse 11. But ye are washed. You see this? Ye are sanctified. That's set apart. Ye are justified. That's justify never sinned. That means justification. Everything you've done has been justified. Basically, when we use the term justify, we say to make excuse for it. So Jesus Christ has justified all those things we did. The drunkenness, the fornication, the adultery, the reviling, the covetousness, the everything you see, the, everything you see listed there. Jesus justified it in our place when he that knew no sin became sin for us. And it says, or justified in the name of our Lord, of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. Now watch what Paul says. This is a great verse. Great verse. Before somebody says, oh, you're trying to put the law on us, Paul says in verse 12, all things are lawful unto me. Now that's tight. That's something fun. Let's get into this. 
People say, I don't want to be a Christian. I can't do what I want. You can do anything you want. You can. You can't live like that, but you can do it. And Paul said, it's not even unlawful for me. I'm, I'm showing you what the Bible said. In the context of what he's just said here, verse 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Expedient means to be good, it means to be correct. It means to be of good use. It means to be right or proper. So it's not a law matter. When people say, when you try to teach something like this, and they say you're trying to put us under the law, no, by no means. Paul says all of it's okay. It's not, I'll, let me rephrase this. No one say okay. All of it's lawful for me, but it's not good. It's not right. It's not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So he's addressing the matter in the church of the fornication. He's saying when you're saved, that's it's not your choice. This is your, the, you, your body is now the Lord's. And the Lord is for your body. And God hath raised, God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. So he's raised Jesus and he's going to raise us. Know ye not that our, your bodies are the members of Christ. Everything you do, everything you say, you are part of the body of Jesus Christ. You make it up. What you take in, what you do, the way you live, the way you act, the things you say, you represent the body of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? Harlot would be someone that would uh, be loose with herself, even to the degree of selling herself. Not always. It's, it, you'll see the term harlot and whoredom or whore mentioned differently in the Bible. The whore would specifically mean someone that would sell for money. Where the harlot's not necessarily so, it's more just complete looseness. And, and so it's what he's saying. He's saying, you, you it's, it, although it may be lawful for you, it's not proper and expedient to live completely loose. And then he says, God forbid... He puts a forbiddance on it. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So he says, flee fornication, to get away from it, to stay away. To, to, just like Joseph. Jo Joseph is a great example. When I, when I, think, when I read this just two-word two statement... I think of Joseph. Joseph was in that situation where Potiphar's wife continually, day by day, tried to lure him in and tried to get him to have relations with her. She was a married woman. Um, Joe, I, I, I remember it was Mike Pence. Mike Pence, and I—I I don't know why. I, I'm not. Y'all know I can't stand politics, but I, I don't. I can't stand them. It, I, it brings out the lowest and the worst of everybody. But I do remember, because it, it, it just it took to mind a, a good policy to have 
in any field. I remember he took a lot of heat and backlash from the press because he made this statement that he would not meet with a woman in private that he never had without the presence of his wife. And boy, they jumped on him for that. You know, they, they got on him for that. And he, he's saying, look, I'm a married man. Okay, I'm a married man. And whether this woman's married or not, I, I'm in this office together. We come out together. And it, it could appear that there was something going on, whether it was or whether, whether, whether it wasn't. But say he was in there with a woman of loose morals or someone that, and it could be flipped too, or someone that had an agenda, you know, vice presidential candidate, we want to extort money from him by saying she tried to, he tried to, you know, make an advance on her, things like that, okay? And I remember them vilifying him for making that statement. But my mind goes back to Joseph. And Joseph, if you recall, day by day she would make these advances. And he continued to, he, he, I mean, he was just going to quote unquote do his business. We know what that means. And so as she would make these advances, finally she grabbed his coat one day and she made an, a, a, a lying accusation about him saying that he tried to, to you know, violate her. It was a completely false. But he did flee it, but he, did, he didn't know who she was making the advance. He was completely innocent in the matter. He wasn't even thinking about doing it, but he was in that situation. So what Paul was saying here is to flee it, to get away from it, to not even, you know, to, to, to not put yourself in that position. That's, that's the statement being made. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. You're, you're sinning against your body, the temple of the Holy Ghost. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. So the Spirit of God lives in us, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God. So this chapter is is the greatest chapter on how and why we should live a certain way. And it's the fact that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And He covers everything in this. He covers covetousness. He covers idolatry. He covers reviling. He covers fornication. He covers effeminacy. He covers hurting and harming your own body. He covers every bit of that in this text. And so, Paul is having to deal with this. Now, just again, this is a matter of people getting uh, saved. These, these people make or have made professions of faith. Let's put it like that. These people, again, it's like going into New York City. It's like going into San Francisco. It's like going into your modern-day streets of America, planning a church, and then having to disciple these people from there. It's a task. It's a, it's a task. Paul has a task on his hands in Corinth. And we get into chapter 7. So basically, he's going to go through this entire book 
He's issuing all these rebukes, all of this teaching on how they should conduct themselves in Corinth. And then from there, after that, he's going to uh, uh, come to 2 Corinthians. There, there is a belief that there was a letter in between the two. Uh, well, we know that. We know it because he did uh, say in 2 Corinthians that this is the third time that I'm, I'm writing to you. Um, but obviously the Holy Ghost did not uh, inspire it. Uh, or, or the Spirit of God didn't deem it necessary to be part of the canon of Scripture. So we just have two Corinthian letters as part of our Bible. Um, but it was alluded to that there was a third letter written. But here's what we, I, I want to close with. We are going to find in this letter, it's full of rebuke, it's full of chastening, it's full of church discipline, it's full of how to deal with problematic matters. And then we get in 2 Corinthians, and it's a very late letter in his ministry, and it's a very personal letter. Paul's been in a lot of pain and a lot of hurt in his body, in his spirit, and he will talk about that in detail in 2 Corinthians. So let's get through 1 Corinthians. Through all this tough stuff, this tough teaching, we will probably pause, go to 2 Samuel, and then we'll jump back to 2 Corinthians. So the next time, next Sunday night, 2 Corinthians, and then uh, we should be back in Bible study on Wednesday. Hope you all have a good week. Uh, stay safe, stay cool, uh, stay cool, stay warm, and uh, I love each of you. Good night.